the basis of a phone is to make phone calls. Or at least we tend to think of it that way. Or do we? Because um, today it's more of a camera or maybe a music player or a gaming device or a shaver of news rather than what we call it, a phone. Indeed, uh, most are now rarely used for that original intention compared to what they are used for. And uh, this week, uh, a pastor of a church I know um, put on Facebook that we were going to be seeing fewer posts from him over the summer. That we shouldn't expect so much social media because he was quite a prolific character. And he was going to remove the app from his phone. He was going to remove the means of using Facebook. Now, that's not because of privacy issues or because he was worried about his information being sold. But he was going to remove other things too. He was going to take away the games. He was going to take away his Twitter. He was going to take away the news from being on his phone. He was even going to delete the bit that allows him to get emails. So that you got back to not something that might be a large means of distraction that they might sit at the table and play with, but it becomes a telephone again. His phone was going to be a phone, something that makes calls and receives calls, but doesn't do a lot else. Now, personally, I think he could have saved himself a lot of hassle if he'd just gone down the supermarket and bought one for a tenner. That would have been a lot quicker. One of those simple uh, phones, like what phones were maybe about 20 years ago. Um, But he's a bit of an Apple fanboy, and he likes... You know, the actual, the glossiness, the colours, the touch. So uh, he he was going to be hanging on to his iPhone. But it would be a phone rather than anything else. The focus of its use would change. As we come to the passage today in Mark's Gospel, we're at a time where the focus is starting to change, the focus in Jesus' ministry. It sounds very much as we read the passage, like the passages that have come before, that are healings. Here is Jesus, and his name reflects that he is the one who saves but he's being seen as the one who preaches and teaches. He's being seen as the one who brings miracles. He's being 
seen as the one who gathers crowds, who maybe pokes a bit of fun at those in power, winds them up a little bit. Although he does all these things, we remember his name is Saviour. And as we progress further through Mark, the focus on that saving power will come more and more to the fore. All those things are still within him. But it is the saving which becomes louder and clearer, leading us to the cross and beyond to our risen Lord. This passage today moves us on that path. Jesus has been to Tyre and Sidon, so in the, in the northwest. They're Gentile areas, and now he heads south. But although he reaches the lake where he called the disciples to come and fish for followers, as he comes to a place that is more full of Jews like himself, instead of going down the west, he goes down the east. He heads for the Decapolis, the region of ten Greco-Roman cities where he had previously encountered legion and the herd of pigs that he cast legion into. Was it from casting out those evil spirits that the crowd came to know of him, that the name Jesus grew in that community? We, we can't be sure. But it would seem they know him. They are there in number again. And they crowd. Yet there seems to be one man with a disability that has been brought forward. A small group have brought a man that needs healing, that needs change in his life. Some people trust in his power. The majority perhaps just want to see the famous visitor. They know the famous name, but they don't know him. Although we've had many healings already in Mark, this is the first instance of bringing hearing and a voice to someone. And it is a, a great sign of Jesus bringing the glory of God's kingdom. Isaiah um, chapter 35, which I, I opened with um, in my call to worship, speaking of the dry and barren land that we've just sang of, goes on uh, with the prophet speaking of the coming Messiah, telling us the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. The ears of the deaf unstopped, the tongue shouting for joy. This is the miracle that happens here, isn't it? But the importance of the prophecy being made alive is perhaps lost on the people of the Decapolis. 
they recognise what Jesus has done. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak, they shout. But that is the limit of their understanding. They don't have the tradition of this scripture. Why would they they relate this healing back to the words of a faith that was not their own? Despite the powerful presence, they failed to spot the Messiah in their midst. They're limited instead to seeing a sign of the kingdom rather than seeing the kingdom come. Having experienced the miracle, the tongue being loosened, the people then use their tongues to spread the news of what they have seen. Jesus had tried to do the miracle quietly. He'd taken the man aside. He'd requested that those witnesses did not share it with other people. But it's hard to keep such a story quiet, isn't it? But what is the news that is being spread? Is it the coming of the kingdom? No. It's that a miracle has been done. It's of a sign of the kingdom, not of the kingdom itself. It's not that their salvation is at hand. Their focus is not on the greater hope, the peace and the love of God that will be revealed through Jesus. They have not become disciples. They're simply people who have seen the miracle and want to tell the story based on that. As they spread the news, it is not the fullness of the good news that is actually there among them. Their reporting of events is more like Trump at a press conference. It's full of misspeaking. They say something, but are they getting it right? Are they telling it as it actually should be? If they who were witnesses are unable to speak the good news, the good news of the kingdom, what of ourselves? Have we become like a cluttered iPhone full of distraction in our life, but losing the focus on being the people of God? Do we become focused on the activity of the church, the act of worship, the building we meet in, the groups we belong to, and other elements that are a sign of there being a church here, rather than having our focus be the church that is the body of Christ serving his purpose in the world today? Is our focus on proclaiming through word and action the truth of his forgiveness and the joy of salvation? I think sometimes the persecuted church, the the churches that encounter difficulties 
in their being able to meet and to gather. Um, managed to grab hold of that in a way that we don't. And we get bogged down in the being. A certain way. And what about us as individuals? Do we set our personal priorities in a way that allows us to be God's people? That will speak of that love and reflect his glory in the things that we do? Or does reading a magazine come higher on the agenda than reading his word? Is spending time in our garden more important than spending time in God's service? Is the money we spend on our summer holiday more than our annual giving to the church to do his work? Sometimes we need to take a step backwards. And like my friend, declutter the things that are blocking our life. Remove the blockages so that we can hear and speak again. F. Father. May our ears be open to his word. May our mind be open to who he is calling us to be. May we hear and may we speak. Amen.